Welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. My name's Javen. I'm an international online health and fitness coach. And if you want to increase your confidence, improve your self-development and have a bulletproof mindset, this is the podcast for you. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe depending on whatever podcast app you are using. Today's episode is going to be amazing. I can't wait to get into it. Let's go. Welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. This is episode 10. My name's Jav. And today, guys, we've got a very special guest, someone that I know pretty well. Good friend of mine, my work wifey, private joke. Some people might not get it, but this is my wifey, my work wifey. Um, dental cool. hygienist, mm-hmm. dental therapist. Correct. And Zynga. Hi, guys. Can't say a last name, government reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, firstly, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're so annoying. Firstly, I want to thank you for joining me. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I got a lot of things I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. All about teeth. And teeth, yes. Yeah. Yes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I kind of want to go through all of those things, all the questions that I've got listed for you, and yeah, I want to learn. I feel like I'm going to learn something here. Hopefully, yeah, <laughs> you know. I don't know a lot of dental hygienists or a lot of dental therapists. But actually, before I even ask you my questions, questions, mm-hmm. what's the difference between a dental hygienist, dental therapist, and a dentist? Dentist. So a dentist is someone who studied for usually between four and five years at dental school. Their scope of practice, which basically is what they can do as a practitioner um, in terms of treatment with patients, is a lot longer than a hygienist and therapist. Right. Covers your band one, band two, and band three NHS treatments. So your checkups, your crowns, your fillings, your any type of lab work that's needed, so bridge works or dentures, all of that jazz. That's what dentists would do. They are doctors. Oh. A hygienist is, I'd like to say, they kind of specialise in looking at or identifying patients with like gum health problems. So they're like your first point of call when someone has like any gum issues. They'd kind of see a hygienist first. If you like, they sort of like get like a checkup version where like they use screening tools to detect whether a patient has gum disease. So that's what a dental hygienist kind of does. Obviously, they do your scale and polish, what a lot of hygienists are known for. I'm sure I think you've had a scale and polish before. Of course. I've seen my teeth. Yeah, I've seen your teeth. They look good. Calm down though. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's what a hygienist predominantly does. So scale and polish. They can do obviously like extra things out of their scope, like if they do whitening courses, so teeth whitening and stuff like that impressions, radiographs, and if a patient does have gum disease, they'd be the initial person to treat it with, like, non-surgical perio treatment. Right. So, like I said, initially you'd see a hygienist for someone with gum disease. A dental therapist, similar to a dentist, but like I said, their scope of practice isn't as long. I'd like to say their scope of practice is predominantly for paediatric patients, so kids with deciduous or milk teeth, as we know. So they'll do like child fillings, look after if the patient's got any problems with like their nerves inside their teeth, then obviously that would be their responsibility. They can treat that. They can do paediatric extractions as well, as well as adult um, restoration. So adult fillings as well as a therapist. Okay. Additionally, we can do tooth whitening as well. The list goes on. <laughs> so you're like basically a dentist, but not a full dentist. Almost. You Almost. can say that, but okay, um, cool. I don't want to always discredit those who have actually studied yeah, dentistry yeah, and got their doctorate because... Yeah, that's a lot of work. To them, it is a lot of work. 
<laughs> cool. All right. Well, then I guess that was a good kind of overview to kind of find the distinction between those three things. Mm-hmm. So I guess my first real question then is like, what got you into de- dentistry? Like, what made you want to do that? Um, yeah, like why? Okay, so with dentistry, I was intrigued by it when I was about, I'd say, six, seven, really young. So when I used to go for my checkups at my local practice, I had a really friendly dentist. It was a black guy and he actually was Ghanaian and I'm obviously Ghanaian as well. So I guess that kind of influenced me in that way. He was always friendly. I always asked loads of questions, picked up things, asked what this was for, what it does. And he welcomed it. Like he didn't kind of say, you're doing too much, pack it in. He welcomed it. And I guess, yeah, that kind of influenced me at that age. After like my A-levels, I then went to do dental nursing and I was a dental nurse. And in doing that, I think I got my feet wet in the field and I did like agency work. So I was nursing with a lot of like specialists and different dentists across the city, across London. And that just opened up my eyes to the different various roles there are within dentistry. And I sort of knew that dental nursing wasn't where I was going to stop in my career. Yeah, I'm way more hands-on. I like to talk a lot. So I knew that I was going to progress into something else. So, yeah, that's when I kind of was like, yeah, hygiene. So what is, what is dental nursing? So a dental nurse is someone who, a person who assists a clinician. Okay. So myself as a therapist or even a hygienist, I often work, well, I work with a nurse and they assist me. They do chair side support for the patient. Sometimes, sometimes they can do like administration roles and stuff like that. But yes, chair side assistant. But, in, so, in but they don't do no like real work in the mouth. Kind some of. nurses can actually some okay. of them can do additional courses to do like something called applying topical fluoride which fluoride is something that's in your toothpaste which is very useful for your teeth important they can apply that to patients if they do an additional course and they can do some other things this is kind of showing me up of how much i know about that but yeah they can do a few other things okay but predominantly their job is their role is to help the patient have a better experience at the dentist because that is very important. Yeah. And also to make sure that the treatment or what have you is running smoothly. Okay, so they're literally just like, they're they're assisting. I wouldn't say just though, because they're very key. They're a very key role. I mean, of course, all assistants are important. Absolutely. Without them, there's no no dentistry. (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's interesting. So kind of talk to me about the process of becoming a hygienist, a hygienist and a therapist. Like, I know you recently graduated. Mm-hmm. So like, what is the whole process to get to get to where you are now? What, okay. What so, was that like? So, so like I said, after A-levels, I did dental nursing. I worked a year. Well, that was the plan. The plan was to work a year. <laughs> and then, yeah, God had other plans. I applied for dental hygiene and therapy, which I applied at all the dental schools that I wanted to go to, not necessarily in London for my own personal reasons. But yeah, I applied and then I wasn't successful the first time. All the five that I applied through through UCAS all said no. They said, then I had to obviously wait till the following year to apply. So I continued working as a nurse. So that whole plan of working for a year didn't happen. So two years out of education. Then I applied for another year, follow, following year, and 
I managed to get two interviews out of the five dental schools I applied for. And when I went up there to the two schools, in a couple of weeks' time, they got back and said, yeah, no, you're not successful on this occasion. Hurt. <laughs> hurt of course. Loads. Rejection always hurts. Absolutely. I listened to that podcast. I've got by the a podcast way. about it. Yeah. If you ain't watched it, check it out. No, it's quality. So, yeah, it did hurt. But of course, I think at the time I really thought I was ready for dental school as well. I thought, yeah, I'm th- I, this is what I want. This is what I can't see myself doing anything else. But on reflection, grand scheme of things, I'm happy it happened the way it did. So third year coming. So yeah, like I said, I got rejected and I asked for feedback from both schools to let me know how I went wrong at the interview stage. So a bit different to like the average university student who applies for university and sort of just, you haven't got the grades, you've got, you meet the requirements or you don't. Mm. It's a bit slightly different. Dental school, that's why I keep referring to it as dental school, because it's it's very different in that respect. So you apply, it's very, 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 very competitive, may I add. If you're lucky enough to get an interview, then it's not guaranteed that you're even still going to get a spot. So um, arts of feedback, both universities and um, dental schools got back to me and I used that feedback to work on points and the errors I made for next year, following year. So again, I was working as a dental nurse for another year. So that's three years as a dental nurse? Yeah. Okay. So the third time I applied, I then again applied for five dental schools. The same five again? Or different? More or less. There's like one or two that I swapped around, but there is a limit. So you can only get to the interview stage twice. If you get to the interview stage twice and they say no, you cannot then apply again. You to that same place? To that same Oh, so school. you've got to do a new one yeah, again. You've got to, yeah. Okay. So it's quite tense. So, and the one I really wanted to get into was Portsmouth University, the dental academy attached to there. So the third time I did apply, I got an interview for Portsmouth and Teesside and actually two others. So I was quite chuffed actually and yeah I got two unconditional offers for both and because I really wanted to get into Portsmouth I just literally accepted it and said yeah I'm out of here and yeah packed my bags and went down to Portsmouth so So you went to Portsmouth I did okay so after wow so three years Mm -hmm. so after going after getting accepted what was the process after that like and how long is the course so the course itself for dental hygiene dental therapy is three years at Portsmouth anyway okay so like average degree length. Yeah. So I think I got accepted like start of the year. And obviously I start in September. So it was just preparing myself. There's not much to do. Just get ready to. And also, I guess because I'd been applying and I'd been wanting to go. And in my head, I've always been ready. I was more I was more than mentally ready. Like just ready. Was, to just wanted to go. I wanted to learn. Yeah. I wanted to go. And yeah, it was. I was really militant with my learning throughout the whole three years. I was serious. Like my friends will tell you, I... Wasn't going out as much at all, unless I was down for like Christmas. And summer wasn't even as long as like your average degree course. Summer usually is like, I think most university students break up in like May after their exams and they've got like June, July, August, and then they're back in September. We are at dental school up until June and then we have clinic until July. So. Okay, so you're still doing stuff anyway. Yeah, missing out on wireless and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was hard times. It's not worth it anyway. (laughs) Plus, when you come and dentist, make their money. I mean, so, I mean. so three years. Mm. What was the course like in terms of like the difficulty, the intensity of it? Mm. Did you move to Portsmouth? Like, I did, did move to Portsmouth. Portsmouth. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like, what was that experience? So like, it was a full time course. So I was there 
Monday to Friday, nine to five, literally. Okay. Your timetable was jam-packed. So 9am you're having lectures, different modules throughout the day. And then I think in your first year, you didn't have, you had something like called Phantom Head, which is almost like a little lab room where you have these like dummies that you practice on okay. and kind of like the, your tutor will introduce you to like instruments and stuff like that and just like the basics and the foundations. And there's different ways that you hold instruments that you've got to learn all of that and just familiarize yourself, which was very useful. Cause obviously I'm coming from a dental nurse background. Being a clinician is completely different. So- What's the difference? Well, you're, the patient is, even though as a dental nurse, the patient is your responsibility anyway, as a dental care professional. As an actual clinician, a patient's medical history, for example, it's vital that I, check that, what medication the patient's taking, whether they're a smoker, just have a full... So there's like more involvement? Absolutely, okay. absolutely. So, and you feel that as well. Like, I felt very like, not pressured, but just, I know I knew it was important for me to just look after the patient. If they were to have a medical emergency, like if they were to faint, I need to know what to do immediately because they're going to be looking to me and mm. sometimes your nurse may even be looking at you, like, what are we doing? And I have had medical emergencies, by the way. So you got to, yeah. So yeah, phantom head days were good. And where I'd done dental nursing at Portsmouth, I didn't have to go in as much, fortunately. So phantom head was more, those days were more the time I was I was in. And yeah, we had to, we went through stuff like posture, there's a certain way to sit, certain way to position the patient, certain way to hold things. And they're very quite strict in your first year. Like they walk around with a black, like what's it called, an iPad and they're assessing you constantly. So they're just preparing you for your following year, which you will go on to clinic. So at the University of Portsmouth, they had a live clinic in the, within their dental school. So in, at the live clinic, you had like real life patients. All my friends are asked, are they real patients? So, yeah, they're real, they're real patients. Okay. So members of the public would book themselves in and they obviously are aware that we're students, but obviously we had tutors around as well to like supervise and authorize things. So. When they book in, yeah, like members of the public, mm -hmm. and obviously they know that you're students. Mm -hmm. Like, do you guys, are you guys running everything? Or like, obviously you're, you're overseen by someone, but yeah, if you have someone that, that's come in and they need something done, mm -hmm. would you guys be the ones that, are the students the ones doing it? Or Right, so remember when I said that a dentist scope of practice is different to a hygiene therapist? A key thing to remember is often a therapist would take their patients from not take them from a dentist but a dentist will refer their patients to a therapist so a checkup would have already been done a treatment plan would have already been drawn up and written up and discussed with the patient risks benefits costs etc and then they'll be referred or delegated to a dental therapist so for example if a patient needs a filling on their upper right five which is just the upper right premolar it's an amalgam so a silver filling they can be referred to a therapist. A therapist will then see the patient and carry out the treatment. So does that answer your question? Whether so will the students carry out the treatment? So absolutely. So I'll be with the handpiece or the drill as you know it, and I will use it to create oh, a hole wow. and remove the decay and place the filling in. Wow. So do you ever felt like the patients were like, are the, pa the patients are fully aware that they can be treated by students, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. They sign a consent form, they're fully aware that they know we're okay. students. They know they're coming to a dental school because yeah. it's not like a dental practice that you have on your street corner or somewhere up in like central London or something. It looks like a school. It literally says dental academy. So you know it's an educational facility. Yeah. 
And then obviously when you sign up and register, you sign a form to say I consent to having a student. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that, do they do that at King's College as well? Absolutely, yeah. That's, yeah. I thought so. Yeah. Because I had my wisdom to take him out there. Oh, was, how was that? Yeah, it was scary. Okay. <laughs> scary times. <laughs> <clears throat> so in your final year, mm. like, was there anything different between the second and the final year? Like, what was it? So second year, we were on clinic, like I said. And in terms of, I'd say second year was a bit more full-time. Not full-time, no. We were in a lot more. A lot more was required of us. We had to be... It was almost like you were, even though you weren't, it felt like you were working and studying at the same time because mm. your clinic days were just for, just as full on, nine to five. You're seeing patients and then you'd have like a lecture the next morning. So it was quite intense. In third year, you didn't have to be in as much. You'd have a bit more leniency, a bit more gaps. But I'd say, and the volume of work wasn't as much as level five, which is what we call second year. But in final year level six, the the type of work was, I don't know how to describe it. Like it was like, that's what you were doing, completing your research projects or other people would call a dissertation. So like the type of work you were doing was just a step up. Mm. It, it felt like a step up. You just knew it was not level five anymore. You were in level six. But in terms of like clinic days and lectures, you were still doing lectures, you were still doing clinic days. Level four, your first year was the only time you were in phantom head and not on clinic. Do you understand that? So in, even in your final year, you're still doing clinic days? Yeah, yeah? you were still doing clinic days okay. as well. So right up until right up until the very end. Well, they change it every so often. And during that time, was you working too? So, good question. Most of the time I was broke. <laughs> so like my friends will tell you I was the broke friend okay I was the broke friend I didn't have any money because I'm in uni Monday to Friday 9 to 5 so there's barely any time to work yeah working's but, a bit mad very tight and of course on weekends where someone would say oh just do a Saturday job I wanted to use that time to study because exams are very real yeah. <laughs> very hard <laughs> so there wasn't really much time for me to work but me being me I wanted to hustle because I like I like to have things and who doesn't want a bit of cash in their pocket? So I like picked up a small side hustle, but I did in my like summer holidays, Christmas holidays, do a bit of dental nursing. So yeah, I do that on okay. the side. So that you're helped. staying around dentists anyway, you're staying around. Yeah, yeah, okay. definitely, definitely. Do you feel like that? So like, even before you got into dental school, you mm -hmm. obviously you had three years of dental nursing. So there's quite a lot of experience mm -hmm. just being around it. Like since graduating, have you, have you realised that, or has that experience been helpful? I'm assuming it has been, or not yeah. really? Has no. it made a difference? Hugely, majorly, massively. I'm really happy that I was a dental nurse first. Got my feet wet, learnt terminologies. Like, people that came from A-level, I really take my hats off to them because jumping into dentistry from A-levels is a jump. Like, when people describe to you, oh, yeah, from GCSEs to A-levels is a jump, it's literally that sort of leap. It's completely a different lane different jargon, you've got to learn so many things. So with my experience as a dental nurse, I wasn't focused on terminology or worried about, oh, what's etch or what's a... Right, because you knew it already. I knew it, that was second nature to me. That was, you with me. It's a whole other language. So definitely, definitely a huge benefit me being a dental nurse first. And what about like, just the job market, I guess? Because obviously, when did you graduate? 2020, last year, July. So during the pandemic, mm -hmm. yeah which is mad. Um, <laughs> but like, do you feel like having that experience already kind of made made you a bit more attractive to getting 
to to someone hiring? I'm not sure. I'd like to think so because, yeah, but but I'd mm, I'd like to think so because obviously experience. There's no better yeah, lesson than yeah, experience. Exactly. You know what I mean? There's nothing more valuable than that. At the same time. I am no different to somebody who has come from A-levels in, in, in the sense that we've both graduated, so we're both competent in our jobs. Right. But I think the, exp the experience I have, it helps me personally. In terms of being more attractive to employers, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I don't know. I don't want to knock somebody else who's not got No, but it experience. must do, innit? Because you did three years. Maybe, like, potentially. It, like, like I said, the experience helped me. I know yeah. that. It has a... It's benefited me. Yeah. Whether it makes me more attractive, I don't you know. You can't say for sure. I can't say for sure. Fair enough. All right, then, cool. So you mentioned something before, like your dentist was black. Yeah. You're black. Absolutely. And I said before you come on here, yeah. I don't think I've ever had a black dentist. Really? Um, I can't. I'm trying to think in my life, like, they've definitely... All my, all my dentists have been Asian, now that I think okay. about it. Okay, yeah. Um, so, yeah, like... In terms of maybe your course, mm. how was was there a lot of black people on the course? And um, then also, and then actually, no. Answer that first. Then okay, I'll ask you another. Cool. Question. In terms of a lot of black people, absolutely not. No. No. <laughs> um, when I was doing studying dental nursing, there were a few of us. Okay. And then when I came back to do dental hygiene and therapy, I was the black girl. Okay. Wow. Yeah, and when I started in level four, so first year. There was the second year cohort, which, by the way, our year groups aren't very big. Like I said, it's very competitive to get onto. So there's literally about 30 of us. Mm. Even 30 is a big number. That was for my year. Previous years, I've had like 22, 24, that sort of figure. And within that group, yeah, I was the only black girl within my cohort. But then the years above, I was still the only black girl walking around the building. But wow. I wonder, I think first... Yeah, I want to say second year as well. I might be wrong. But they did start, there were like black students that arrived shortly after me, but we were always the minority. Okay. Yeah. And then throughout your time doing dental nursing mm -hmm. and in in the clinic mm -hmm. and like just even since you graduated and working. Yeah. How much actual black dentists mm -hmm. have you worked with, if any? So I, prior to being going on the course to do dental hygiene therapy. As a dental nurse, I came across a few. Okay. Within dentistry, we're very, black people are very underrepresented. Like, but there's not a lot of us, basically, is what I'm saying. Predominantly, you have white dentists, white male dentists, white female dentists, and a lot of, like you said, Asian dentists. But yeah, huge underrepresentation. Of Why do you think that is? If you can think of anything. I, why do I think that is? Be as, I want to be. I want to be, be as honest as you can be. Yeah. No, I want to be honest, but I also want to be careful because I know there's other people that might be able to answer this question better. But I think, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Not. I wouldn't say a lot of us are going through these courses. But then one might ask, why aren't a lot of us going through these courses? And I think is some of us may be doubting our acceptance. With your average job, we already doubt. Do you know what I mean? We really have a bit of that whether we would be put first. Despite our abilities, our capabilities, we will literally doubt ourselves. Like, oh, yeah, they might pick Connor something something over me simply because of our name, our surname written on our CV. So I think the same principles that apply to your normal jobs apply within dentistry. Why? 
conversation for another day. Okay. I guess so. <laughs> that makes sense. Do you think, I'm going to probe you on that a little bit though. Oh, okay. Do you think that, like I said, I, I always think with things, it's always like you need to kind of see someone doing it, right? So do you think that because there is a lack of representation, that kind of results in there being a lack of kind of people going for those kind of jobs and applying and going through the education to kind of do that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Representation is important. Yeah. That's going to have a huge influence on anybody. Even for me, whilst I was studying, there was one black tutor in the whole of my dental school. Again, that is an underrepresentation. When you're walking around the building, you're not seeing the likes of yourself or someone who looks like you, mm. whether you are conscious to it or not, it will have an effect on you. It will have an impact on you. But it was nice. I was lucky and fortunate to have a black tutor who actually taught me as well in my final year. But yeah, it was, we never spoke about it, but it was kind of that thing where I knew she knew what I was thinking anyway and how yeah. probably I felt because she too has been in the industry long enough to know that we are underrepresented. So I know that a lot of people probably wouldn't apply or because they don't see many of us. Yeah. But they we do exist. There are. And then another thing as well. I mean, you can Google this, but I feel like some people don't don't realise that being a dentist is quite a lucrative career. Yeah. Do you mind? Um, what? <laughs> what are you about to do? Do you mind? What do you mind sharing? What like? What are you trying What to an do? expected salary Imagine. could be in as a <laughs> dentist? Not what you do, but as a dentist. What? What what could some Google's people free, you know? what could some people expect to make as a dentist? Not dental hygienist or what, therapist yeah? as I'll a dentist. I'm completely real with you. I'm not even going to give you figures. I'm literally going to say to you, it's lucrative. If you make no wait, if you make if you make the most of your career, is not necessary just because you are a dentist and you've got the title of a doctor? It doesn't actually mean that you're getting the cake. It doesn't actually mean that because I've seen a lot of dentists that don't make a lot of money and they're struggling. If you work in the NHS sector, that's quite. That's likely. However, as in, that's, you're, not, you're not you're likely to not make that much money. Not necessarily, but there are a lot of dentists that work in the NHS that don't necessarily make a lot of money. I've seen it firsthand when I was a dental nurse. But however, of course, if you make the right decisions, and it depends how passionate you are. Some people get into the career and they lose their passion. Again, I'm not speaking on anybody personally or the vast majority. There's, it's just like any job. You get into it, you start, and yeah. then actually. You lose your passion, yeah. you lose your fire. And so you don't you don't continue with things and keep up with things and renew, rebrand. And obviously, in today's world, social media, you'll find that a lot of like dental professionals are using social media. Yeah, I've noticed that as well. That also helps. It helps with marketing, it helps with education. So that is But they're they're private usually, those ones, right? Because that's what I see. They're like private. They can be. Not to say that NHS uh, dentists are withheld from doing that. They can. Oh, they can. You can do both. Absolutely. Okay. You can be okay. a hard. You, uh, you can be a private clinician and an NHS clinician, and an NHS dentist may not have the time because the demand is a lot more. Because there's yeah, they're a lot getting more. a lot of people coming in. Absolutely, yeah. the volume of patients they see is probably a lot more than a private dentist. So they may not have the time for social media, but there's nothing prohibiting them from getting involved okay. using social media as a tool as well. Yeah, yeah. But to answer your question, yes, it is lucrative, but it doesn't mean that every dentist is making a lot of money. Me personally, as a hygienist and therapist, I have also similar opportunities to make a lot of money, yes. Okay, so if 
Javen. So if I was yes. to go private as what? a dentist, hmm? what am, am, am I? If I was to go private as a dentist and I'm a good dentist, okay, and I've got a good practice in mm-hmm. a good location, yeah, could I? What am I going to make good money? It depends. If you are working for, I don't know, Topshop as a fashion designer and they're paying you really well, and then you or a decent amount. And then you say, okay, if I go and open up my own clothing line, am I going to make a lot of money? It's up to you, isn't it? The ball's in your court. <laughs> the ball's in your court. Can you make a lot of money? Yes, it's possible, of course. Okay. You know that. <laughs> Google tells you that. But it doesn't necessarily mean you will. Okay. Cool. Nothing in this life comes without hard work. So. But the opportunity is there. <laughs> opportunity is 100% there, definitely. Okay, cool. Okay. See, and I think, I think that... Uh, but I think that if more people more black people were mm. aware, mm. you know, that there are, it's a good job and yeah. you can make good money. I think, I think people know, I think people know that, but I don't think, that. I don't think, I don't think people are aware enough. I think there's, I think. Do you know what though? I don't even know why that's relevant, to be honest with you. What How do you mean? Much, Money's important to people. Money is important, it's essential. And it, it drives a lot of people's decision making. Yeah, it does, but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't, it shouldn't, but it does. Because I'll be honest with you, you didn't do it for money. Definitely didn't. And I'm glad I didn't because the amount of work I had to do in those three years. Right. Wasn't worth them, not worth it, any it, kind of money. Like, so. I, yeah, I would have. It's not that it wasn't worth the money. It would be. But like, whilst I was in it, if it was solely for the money, I you probably wouldn't, wouldn't have made yeah, it. You wouldn't have kept I up. I probably yeah. wouldn't have been sitting here on this couch talking about how I've graduated. If I'm being completely honest with you. Yeah. It's a lot of hard work. A lot of hard work. So... I don't think there are some people though that do go into the profession and I think money is one of the things you do consider and even sometimes they even do like questionnaires and ask students oh why did you get into dentistry I think in my postgraduate scheme they asked me like oh why this my answer was never the money and that's the truth and even while studying I never looked it up a lot of people be like oh hygiene you're gonna make a lot of money hygiene you're gonna make a lot of money okay thanks for telling me so I knew that that was almost like a Little reminder, I, I knew I was oh, safe. So the money ain't a thing, man. Yeah, mad. <laughs> You're playing around. But yeah, no, like it, I was safe, but I never got into the profession for the money. For the money, yeah. And I think when I'm seeing my patients day to day, you can tell us the money isn't on my mind. It's great. Money's essential. Trust me, I need it. But definitely wasn't on the top of my list. Yeah. And I, I don't think anybody should put that at the top of your list for doing some, a job you should always go in it for if you enjoy it if you enjoy it passion for passion and, yeah. because every job has its day it's not always going to be milk and honey and trust me <laughs> in this job it's not but I love it I love what I do I like that cool so let's talk about some things that people can uh, take away from this in terms of what they need to be doing to keep their mouth clean good so some nice topics now like more of a basic kind of question to cover but like like, why, why is our dental hygiene, like, why is that so important? Like, what are some of the thing, key things you would say, you know, is important for people? Like, why do they need to make sure they're on top of it? Okay, cool. So I'm not even going to use the term dental hygiene. I'm going to use oral hygiene because dental teeth, right. oral hygiene, so that includes all your soft tissues within your mouth. Very important, including your gums. And I say that because looking at gum disease away from, like, tooth decay and stuff like that, Oh, I'm about to say a figure. I hope I get it right. I believe 80% of people in the UK suffer with gum disease. 
at some point in their life. Really? Yeah. That's quite a high percentage. What is gum disease? Oh, he's asking me what gum disease is. So, gum disease is plaque bacteria that's naturally formed in your mouth. If it accumulates, it can irritate your gums and cause them to be inflamed, which means bleeding, puffy, swelling, sorry, and a bit sore and sensitive for you. So when you brush your teeth, you might see a bit of blood. That is the first initial stage of gum disease, if you like, so gum inflammation. The two sort of types of gum disease are gingivitis and periodontitis. Okay, I haven't heard of the second one. <laughs> so peri that's a, that's peri what? Thing. Periodontitis. 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 Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that sounds like something I need to avoid. Uh, absolutely. So gingivitis is, if you break down the words, gingiva is gums, and itis is inflammation. So inflammation of the gums. That is totally reversible. That's the good thing. So probably that 80% of the UK that have suffered from gum disease probably predominantly is just gingivitis. And yeah, so when you don't either floss interdentally or you're not like, if you don't clean interdentally, or you're not like brushing correctly, then you can leave plaque behind and that can irritate your gums, so on and so forth. Like I said, with like good cleaning, it can be reversed and you can go back to healthy mouth. Periodontitis is what people might refer to as the advanced version of gum disease. And that's a bit more serious because not only are your gums inflamed, but it starts, the disease starts to destroy underlying tissue, such as periodontal ligaments, which I won't go into detail what that is because that's too technical, but more importantly, bone. So your tooth in your, or your teeth in your mouth are anchored in your, in your mouth by bone. That bone, if it is attacked by the disease, can start to disintegrate and shrink in size. And if that happens time and time again, over a period of time, your teeth that are being held by the bone... Start falling out. Start to become mobile, and then eventually they'll right. fall out. That's mad. Right. And that one is irreversible. Right. If your bone starts to reduce in its height levels, then, yeah. It's not no, reversible. No coming back from that. There's no coming back. You can maintain things and make sure things don't get worse by seeing a hygienist yeah. <laughs> and making sure you clean things well at home. But in terms of growing bone back, that's actually not possible. Okay, wow. Yeah, I mean, you can't grow bones back. That's mad. Okay, so, wow. Okay, there was a few things in there. So you mentioned that, like, this happens when people don't clean their teeth properly. Mm-hmm. Um, We'll get into the incidental cleaning, but yeah. before that, like, before, apart from, aside from flossing, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, we know that's important, but I want to we'll expand on that in a second. What are some of the common mistakes that people make when it comes to brushing their teeth? And I've got a few questions, like a couple of myths that I need you to burst from oh, me because okay. people always say these things and it's, uh, <laughs> what's the truth? Okay, um, fine. But yeah, what are some of the common mistakes that average people are making when it comes to brushing their teeth. Okay. In terms of brushing the teeth or keeping your mouth clean, one misconception is, I had a patient even this week tell me, oh, when I floss, my gums bleed. And actually it's because you're not flossing at all or enough. That's why your gums are bleeding. So if you floss once and twice and your gums bleed, you need to be consistent with the flossing and eventually, like I said, things will reverse. So that's one 
little. So it's okay for your gums to bleed if you're flossing. Initially, yeah, okay. because that means you haven't been doing it for anyway or properly, but probably at all. So that will happen because you're irritating the gums. Your gums are inflamed anyway. Flossing consistently over a period of time, like a short period of time, even up like a week of flossing, you might see the bleeding will reduce to nothing. How to keep your teeth clean? Well, <laughs> it's a bit hard to explain because even when I explain this to patients, I use like a model and all of that jazz. Angulation of your toothbrush is very important. You want to obviously be angling your toothbrush towards the gum line because that's there's three common places where plaque likes to hang out. That's the gum line, so that junction where the tooth meets the gum. Mm. Interdentally, so in between teeth, and your biting surfaces, so when you chew your food, where the food particles will sit. Those are the three common areas where you will find plaque. Often patients are really good at removing, or people are really good at removing plaque from the biting surfaces. Just whack your toothbrush there. Right, get rid the of easy it. part to reach, yeah. Absolutely. The gum line, people that aren't aware of this, well, they're not angling their toothbrush towards it, so therefore they're missing it. Right. And so sometimes, like, I brush my teeth, I don't know why my gums are bleeding. Because of your angulation. They're not, they're not, yeah, mm-hmm. so they need to be... Angling the toothbrush yeah, correctly. Yeah, get flexible with the wrist and that. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, um, and, then, <laughs> and then, like I said, interdentally as well, really important because a tooth has five surfaces. Like I said, chewing food surface, your cheek surface, your palatal surfaces or your tongue surface, depending if it's an upper or lower tooth. But also the other interdental surfaces need to be cleaned. Mm. So, yeah, you need to be mindful of that when cleaning your teeth. And then I asked you this already, like mm-hmm. maybe a couple of months ago, but... Is an electric toothbrush a lot better than getting a manual toothbrush? Okay. I need to know the facts from the fiction. Okay, cool. I get asked this question a lot by patients at work, and I always tell patients it's not. There's not one that's better. So the electric toothbrush isn't necessarily necessarily better than the manual toothbrush. Okay. And I see this all the time. I have patients that use an electric toothbrush, and they come in, and I find lots of plaque and lots of calculus and lots of tartar. And, I, and their gums are inflamed. And I have patients that are like, oh yeah, I brush my teeth twice a day with a manual toothbrush. And their teeth are absolutely clean. Squeaky clean, nothing to clean. So that proves that it's not down to the electric toothbrush being more effective. It's actually the way you use it. So going to your hygienist, they might be able to give you a little tutorial, a little lesson of how to manipulate the toothbrush. But that's what it boils down to how you use the toothbrush. So why electric toothbrush so popular? Like, what, why do people act like they are superior to... Because they're just, cool. Is it a market employee? It is a bit, to be honest. And okay. which sector doesn't have that? But like, yeah. yeah, it is. However, there has been studies, I think, to prove that electric toothbrushes are effective, which I think they are. I have one. I have more than one. Anyway, I'm not going to show off. But I have electric toothbrushes and I use both. That's what I started doing. I use both. Yeah, no, I use both. I feel like the electric one. Sometimes I feel like it's, I'm I'm not getting clean because... I just think I get too used to it and I'm like, mm, I'll use manual now. So I go back. So I literally yeah. interchange all the time and patients do that too and that's perfectly fine. But an electric toothbrush, it's, it is great, um, especially the ones they have on the market these days. You can link your toothbrush to your phone, an app on your phone, and there's it comes with pressure sensors, so you can see that how hard you're pressuring your teeth, which if you're brushing too hard, you can actually cause a little bit of like trauma to your gums. It flashes, you can set it so it flashes in like a nice pretty colour, whatever your favourite colour is, you can do all of that. You can have all sorts of settings that you can do, like brushing your tongue, brush from brushing your teeth. Like electric toothbrush 
is very cool. But like I said, it's down to how you're using it. So, cool. so it's not yeah. the be-all and end-all. It's not the be-all and end-all, but they are fascinating. And I think they can be useful for people that don't have the best manual dexterity. Right. If they aren't using a manual toothbrush correctly or effectively, then sometimes the solution might just be, you know what, maybe you should invest in getting an electric toothbrush right. because it will move a certain way for you as opposed to you having to... Do a certain motion with yeah. your manual toothbrush. So then, in terms of angulation and learning how to properly angle the toothbrush to clean your teeth, for most people, most I, I would assume most people don't have a clue about that because I don't think I did. Like, where can people can people learn about that? Like, absolutely. Like, yeah, like where where am I going to learn about this? Um, YouTube. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a sources on YouTube to educate people. Yeah. I, everything's on YouTube. So yeah, check sure. YouTube out. Go to your hygienist as well. Yeah. Your dentist as well. Ask questions at your checkups. They are dental professionals. They'll happily tell you. Yeah. Or you can give me a shout. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. And then, so incidental cleaning. Obviously, we have flossing, right? But from my understanding, there are a lot of people that don't even floss correctly. So how do you floss correctly? Correctly. Okay. Again, a bit difficult for me to just Explain. describe it yeah. Yeah, without demonstrating it. I often like to tell patients to use like a C-shaped technique, which basically instead of a lot of people place floss in between their teeth and use a sawing action. Yeah. Don't do that. Right. That's what I used to do all the time. It doesn't really do much. If anything, it just causes a bit of damage and trauma to your gums. What you need to do is literally wrap the floss. So put it between your teeth, but wrap it around the shape of the tooth. So like mm -hmm. I'm going one here and then through the other one. Yeah. Okay. And you want to wrap it around the tooth in the shape of a letter C. Mm -hmm. And then you just want to bring it back out through the contact points of your teeth. That's the way you floss. And then okay. you go back in and do it on the other side, loop it around and bring it back up. Yeah. Again, that sort of demonstration can be done at your checkups or if you see a hygienist. So you do that across all the teeth, but then that's hard when you're getting up to... the to, back? Yeah, that's, that's a bit mad. Are you looking in the mirror when you floss, personally? I look in the mirror, that's yeah. That's good. Looking in the mirror is helpful. A lot of people under, like, undermine that. Look in the mirror when you're brushing your teeth, look in the mirror when you're flossing. Yeah. It actually helps. I always, I'm always looking in the mirror anyway, in, gen okay, in general. Yeah. So. All right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so look in the mirror when I do it and yeah, I, I should be able mirror. to do that. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, look in the mirror, Jav. Um, but flossing isn't the only incidental cleaning you can do, right? Uh, remember I sent you the picture about... Yes, absolutely. So what is that called again? Incidental brushes. Incidental brushes. Yeah, okay, they're so really good as well. I found it very, very painful and difficult to use that. Do you have any tips for me on how to use my incidental brush? Okay, I, I don't... How does it work? Okay, I don't know because I've not had a look at your teeth, but from the distance where I'm sitting, you look like you've got a lot of... You look like you've got a lot of tight spaces. So... Potentially, an interdental brush may be a little bit too big for you. And so maybe floss is just for you. Right. But in terms of how to use an interdental brush, they're probably the most easiest, like, things to use mm. in between your teeth. You literally poke just it in poke it and in poke in. it out. And the bristles of the brush will collect any of the bacteria incidentally. So would you say that they're better than flossing? Flossing. They're better than flossing? Nah, I just always tell patients, patient preference, whatever you okay. find comfortable with. If you're confident when, with manipulating floss, go ahead and use floss. If you prefer the instant brushes because they're quicker, some people say they're quicker, 
use that but stencil. Doesn't it? Yeah. But the little brushes on it mm. wouldn't. My my theory. This is just mm. me guessing it, but mm. my theory would be that because it's got the little brushes, mm. if you can get that to go through your teeth. Mm. Wouldn't that be more effective. more effective than having the flush kind of just sliding yeah. through the teeth? No, no, that that sounds. That, Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. I might have to get back to you on that because there may even be a study or a paper out there that compares the two and comes to a conclusion that yes, incidental brushes are a bit more effective. I don't want to give any wrong information and say yes, they are, right. but I don't. I wouldn't generally say they are better. It literally right. depends. Also, with incidental brushes. From a healthy mouth perspective, I wouldn't I wouldn't know whether floss or incidental brushes are better. When it comes to someone with what we referred to before, periodontitis, mm. definitely the incidental brushes. Floss, there's no point. Because with, I actually missed this out, which is a bit bad. Someone with periodontitis has, their main character, characteristic is a pocket. So a pocket is a, almost like, the best way to describe it is a gap between your tooth and the gum. So clinically... That's when you come to visit a dentist or a hygienist, they'll look for if you've got pockets and they'll see how deep it is with their measuring probe. You with me? Cool. So someone with periodontitis would definitely, definitely need interdental brushes. Floss would be pointless and not as effective at all. So right. you're actually right. And also with the interdental brushes, they range in size. So a popular brand, I'm not going to pick them up, but TPs, which is a very, very popular brand, they have a range of colours from like pink all the way to purple, yellow, green, blue, everything with the colours of the rainbow. And they vary from a really small size to a really big size. As in like the, the size of the... The bristle brushes and the actual wire as well. Yeah. Is, is, it varies in that size. And so the larger the gaps in between your teeth, the bigger the brush needs to be because yeah. you need it to be touching both sides of the teeth surfaces. So yeah, someone with periodontal disease, there's no point in them using floss. Right. So maybe I need to invest in some thinner... Incidental brushes. Incidental brushes. Potentially. But like I said, if you've not got gum disease, which I don't think you do. I don't think so. I don't think you do. So <laughs> you never know though. There might be a hidden pocket. God forbid. I'm not wishing that on you. But yeah, I think you'd be fine with floss or if you want to look for an, a really thin incidental brush. Yeah, mine right now, they're 0.25 millimetres. Right, okay. mm, maybe I can... Go a little bit. Yeah, you can. Go a little bit lower than that. Is mm. it lower than that? Mm. Yeah? Yeah. And then I'll, I'll do a little Googles. Cool. All right. So let's say there's someone who out there who does want to get into dentistry and, you know, they've been, they've been pondering it. Maybe they're younger or whatever. Like throughout your time, kind <laughs> of obviously not getting in in your first three tries or two tries, mm. like, and then actually being on the course and, studying and all that intense mm. work what would you say were some of the biggest challenges that you faced in that whole process first of all anyone considering to get into dentistry do it um <laughs> okay just, just do it if, if you're interested you're intrigued by it just do, do it. it just do it you, if you're even even raising your eyebrow and you're reading certain articles you've got an interest read Look up things, familiarise yourself with the roles out there because there's not just a hygienist, a therapist, a dentist. There's also dental technicians. Okay. There's also ortho like special like dentists that go on to specialise. So you have your orthodontist, which you're familiar with, implantologists. Like there's a really, there's a lot, there's a variation yeah. of roles. So yeah. look up things, familiarise yourself with the different roles out there. 
hardest things and challenges? Is that what you basically like? Asked? Yeah. What would you say were the hardest challenges in that journey? Like, um, what are some of the challenges they like, hardest challenges they're going to face? Okay. First of all, studying, job market, all of that. Okay. Well, starting from, I'll just work chronologically. Yeah. Starting from the beginning when I wasn't accepted. Perseverance. I think having that, I lacked it a bit because I think I went from school to college, from nursery, primary school, secondary school, college, and all of my age mates, I was always doing the same thing as the rest of my friends around me. So when I finished my A-levels with my college friends and they all went on to go and do their degrees and I went on to go and do a certificate in higher education in dental nursing. Yes, I still went to higher education, but I then finished a year later because the course was only a year long and all my friends continued their degrees, then graduated. Like I said, because I'd been conditioned to, when you reach a certain age, you're meant to be doing this. Mm. When I got to, I think I was 19, I was baffled. I was like, I felt disheartened. I felt a little bit less worthy. I know, me, can you imagine? <laughs> but I did subconsciously compare myself to my friends. Yeah, it's natural. Precisely, yeah. it was natural. And it was bittersweet. Obviously, I was really happy for them when they graduated. But it was kind of like a reminder, I'm not where I want to be. So... That was a hard part of the process for me. I had to have a lot of perseverance not to give up. And I had to change my attitude because I kept saying to myself, oh, but what if, what if? Because it's not guaranteed. Like, it's not like I can just apply through UCAS and get on. If I've got the grades, it doesn't matter about the grades. It's competitive. Everyone's got the grades that's applying. Everyone's got a good, strong personal statement. You've It's literally a huge fight, fight, a huge battle to cross over that line and get accepted. So having perseverance... But big up me though, because I did have perseverance. I don't want to be too harsh on myself. Another part that I'd say, another thing that I'd say was a bit challenging was my mental health. At times, first of all, I thought I was totally exempt from things like anxiety. I don't know who the heck I thought I was. But yeah, bucks that bad boy. I think I bucked anxiety in during my study, studying in my second year. Because it was so much. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was just a lot. Like, people always talk about, oh, yeah, I broke down at uni. And I, like, I thought I would have a little meltdown. But I saw, through those three years, I saw sides to myself that I actually genuinely didn't know existed. And, like, I was making myself sick because I was just so determined. Yeah, so my mental health was mm. kind of, like, at a threat slightly. Bucked anxiety. Mm, I wasn't too depressed. Because I I did have moments, as you do, had little showers of depression. But I'm someone who likes to not just deal with it, but I like I like I knew I needed balance in life. You need balance, generally speaking, in life. So every time I would be working hard, I'd always set myself a little something to look forward to. Mm. So whether that be wireless or whether that be my birthday, that's in December. I knew from the term September to December, it's like, oh okay, well. Just work hard things, buckle down, you know. Then you can your, turn up later. Then you can turn up at the end. So I always had something to look forward to. So my mental health was a challenge. And then I think one more thing I can think of, financial strain. Financial, because, okay, yeah, you wasn't working. Mm, it was hard. Yeah. It made me very vulnerable. And like I said, by the time I started studying, all my friends had graduated and they right, started so working. they're living life. They're living a different life to me. Yeah. So going out was literally, oh, we're going out. What's your problem? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can't come. <laughs> so it was it was tight. It was very, very, very tight. The financial strain was mad. Yeah. But yeah, and it required a lot of discipline as well. 
because of finance, but also because of, I didn't actually have a lot of time. There was not a lot of time to spare. If I wanted to study and do well and leave absolutely no chances of failure, there was no time. Yeah. So yeah, financial strain was a big one. Cool. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. No problem. Interesting. And while you're talking, I had another thought in my head about like, okay, nowadays we've mm. got all these people, all these celebrities and influencers getting their teeth done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're getting the big old yeah, yeah. veneers mm. and all of that. Mm. I've seen some horrific videos about how the veneer process. Yeah. <laughs> so can you tell, can you talk to us a little bit about that process and happily? Some and separate some of the truth from the from the fiction. Cool. In terms of what actually happens to your real teeth, because I yeah. saw some mad yeah. videos like yeah. where it, it gets yeah, yeah. shaven all the way down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like what actually? What's the process? So you've mentioned. Sorry, sorry no, I was going to ask you after. I had another question, but I'm going to ask you after. Yeah. Don't forget. Start that part. Yeah. So let me start from the top. There are what people refer to as composite veneers. There's veneers, composite veneers, and there's also crowns in dentistry. Now, people that often, and I'm speaking from personal experience, I'm not going to speak for everybody, so I don't want anyone to watch this and be like, well, that's not what I did. I know certain people that have gone abroad to other countries to get their teeth, Turkey, for example. A couple of Turkey people. (laughs) Who have gone to get their teeth done over there. And I've actually read one of the letters, very briefly, of a friend of mine who's, I think it was almost the treatment plan of what's going to happen. And I think sometimes there's a slight, miscommunication in terms of what's actually taking place. Mm. So I think people are under the impression. So veneers, what's required for a veneer? You need to remove a little bit of tooth tissue at the front. So a little bit of enamel just from the front, the face surface of the teeth. That's not a dental term. Maybe okay. What my dental people. Just simplify it for the listeners. So, So yeah, for the listeners, the face surface of the tooth, a little bit of that will be filed away. Filed down. Filed down or removed. And then you can get a veneer placed on. So that's almost like a really thin dental materials. Often it's um, ceramic or it can be the composite one, like I said, that can be made. Either way, that gets placed onto your teeth and you have a nice pretty smile. That's not as invasive as a crown, for example. So a crown, if we just pretend that this my fist is a tooth, a crown, they need to take a lot more tooth tissue away. Okay, so some of the videos you may have seen of people getting their teeth crown prepped right okay so but they some people have been informed that they're having veneers and like i said there's a bit of miscommunication because i've read the treatment plan and the process they're describing us for a crown prep which like i said is a lot more invasive because you're taking a lot more tooth tissue right and the concerning thing for that is tooth tissue just like bone like i said from gum disease doesn't grow back precisely okay once it's gone it's gone for life. Right. So I think people need to be a bit more cautious with the decisions they're making about their teeth because, yeah, we need, you know, our teeth to make, have a nice smile, but we need our teeth to eat. We need our teeth to speak. So it's quite important that you yeah. know what you're doing. Yeah. So there's that. So there's veneers, less invasive, and then obviously there's crowns. So when they get the crown, they basically rip off most of the tooth. Rip off. And then yeah, they remove a lot of tooth tissue. And then they put some they put like almost like if this is the tooth, they almost fit like a um custom made tooth on top tooth of it. on top of it. Yeah. Because they were taking some impressions so they've got the exact fit for that tooth. Right. And then they just slap something on it. 
precisely. And right. that's quite often, quite often what's happening. So, and I know this from, like you said, the videos you see, a lot of the teeth are prepped like that. For veneers, the prep wouldn't look exactly like that. Right. Not as much tooth tissue is taken away. They're a lot less invasive. So, so. veneers more like, not like caps, but they're closer to caps than anything. Uh, they're not, not, they're, not, they're, not, they're not like caps because it's like, if this is the front face of the tooth, a veneer literally fits on like that. Whereas a crown will fit on like this. The whole thing. Hence why right. you take off this amount and for the veneers, you just take off that amount. Right. You right, with me? Right. Yeah. I got you. Another con I'll just add is that, speaking pros and cons, is that with within dentistry or with any, yeah, with dentistry, a dentist who does any sort of work on you, whether it's a filling, a crown, a bridge, a denture, they are almost responsible for that work because it's their work. They've done it. And if a patient, should a patient have any issues or problems with it, they're more inclined to fix it because they did the work. If you go over to Turkey now, pay, I don't know how much flats to Turkey are, let's say 200 to 300 pounds to go there for a return, plus the actual treatment. And you come and you live in the UK and say one of your crowns that you thought was a veneer falls off and you've got that horrific tooth prep that you see in those videos, you're going to obviously panic and run to your nearest dentist. You're not going to quickly say, right, I'm going to put my flight to Turkey. Yeah. You're going to go to the bloke down the road to fix your tooth. Now, here's the problem that kicks in, because like I said, a dentist feels responsible for the work they've done. Have you, if you've not done that like work on a patient, you're less inclined to want to pick up the pieces of someone else's work because mm. the work has failed. Yeah. You're not going to do that because the moment you touch it, you're then liable. Yeah. yeah. Do you see what I mean? So people should also bear that in mind as well. I'm not saying dentists over here will not help you. Of course they will, because we're dental care professionals and we always have to put the patient's best interest first. However, it's there's that difficulty that people need to be aware of. Right. And then, and is it right that veneers only last 10 years? Is that, <laughs> is that right or no? Is that a myth? More or less, no, more or less. Crowns, bridges, more or less can, can last up to 10 years. It's not, there's no guarantee that it will last up for 10 years. Okay, That's so it could be shorter. Of course it can be shorter. And it could, but it could be longer. Okay. I've seen patients that, oh yeah, I've had this crown for 20 years and it's only just fallen off. So my thing is nothing in dentistry is guaranteed. And it's definitely not guaranteed a lifetime. Okay. So just be cautious. So if I go get veneers, mm. I've got a... Which you don't need, but yeah, go on. Thank you. Um, I'm going to have, there's a possibility I'm going to have to spend more money and get them potentially replaced or... Potentially. Maintained, at least. Potentially. Okay, cool. Th that is something people need to consider. Yeah. And then i got another question. Go for it. All these questions are flooding in. So, like, obviously, I lived in America for about four and a half years. Mm. And over there, compared to England, they they when people talk about English people, right, big mm. thing is they got bad teeth. Yeah. That's, like, a really common thing that people yeah. think about English people. Which I didn't, I didn't know that until I moved yeah. there. Um, they're like, yeah, English people, you guys got bad teeth. Bad teeth. Obviously not me, but... Yeah, yeah, um, it's true. And what I realised over there, I'm not quite sure why it's so different, but like almost everybody has had braces. Like mm. over there, mm. at some point in their childhood, maybe mm. even people that were in okay. uni with me, mm. they all had braces at braces. some point. Yeah. Didn't really have a question to be honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, good. But like, I can't comment on the US, but yeah. Like, I, I know that too. Yeah, like over here... Obviously, a lot of people, they don't get braces. I don't want to ask you why, but why? <laughs> <laughs> I don't 
know why people don't get braces compared in comparison to the US getting loads of braces or a lot of them getting it done. I don't know. Because if you need it, then I guess... I think over there as well, the dentistry is... Actually, let me not comment on that. I don't know. What was you going to say? I might be able to assist you. I don't know. I don't think you will because... No, I don't think you will. I don't think... Dentists over dentistry over there in the US. Actually, you might. The healthcare system, they don't have something like the NHS. Obviously. No, yeah, no, it's right. all private. So yeah. it's all private. That's the answer. Attention. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, actually. Yeah. So they're already paying for it. So anyway, so it doesn't really make a difference. Yeah, so they might as well. Over here, we have the NHS that actually can, if a child meets the criteria, because there's a Criteria but they make the criteria hard though, isn't it? Like it's got to be really <gasps> impacting them. They've got to be in pain think or it's something. Really hard, but braces are expensive. Expensive, yeah. So you don't want to be giving it to any, every, anybody, and everybody. Yeah. So there has to be a criteria. So therefore, yeah, if a potential, especially children, anyone under the age of eighteen, if they meet the criteria, they'll get braces on the NHS. Above the age of eighteen, you're paying for that. Yeah. So I guess I'm not sure why. Yeah. So yeah. People over in the US, if they're having to pay for it... They just do anyway, it anyway, yeah. Exactly. Whereas you're more inclined... To try and go without it. Without yeah. it. And obviously, if you don't fit the criteria on the NHS, then yeah. you're not, you're not yeah. going to bother. I don't need it. I'm not going to pay And for then... It. So would you, re- would you recommend... I mean, I guess it depends on how... Yeah, is. definitely. Okay. I don't think... When it comes to... Because a lot of we've spoken about crowns and veneers, and now we're speaking about orthodontic work, so braces and stuff like that. Not knocking knocking any like cosmetic dentist dentists out there, but I really think the philosophy of if it's not broken, don't fix it. Everyone should just kind of think about. However, that. your smile has a huge impact on your self confidence and your teeth. So, who am I to say? But that the, but the cosmetic it? side of dentistry, mm. just like when I was speaking before, yeah, it's quite lucrative, right? Absolutely, 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 big time, big time, massively. Yeah, if it's not hugely broken, don't fix it. But who am I to say? You might say it's broken, I might say it's fixed. It's you and it's your smile and you take control of it the way you want to. I don't think I'd recommend braces if you don't need it because that can actually probably cause problems for you if you don't need it. Do you know what I mean? What about Invisalign? Invisalign's (laughs) great. Invisalign's good. That's the big thing nowadays. Yeah, it is the big thing because people don't like it because it's away from traditional braces. You don't see like the train tracks and all of that and the heavy metal in your mouth. Invisible. So people love Invisalign and people have had really good results from Invisalign. So yeah. Okay, cool. Mm. My practice offer Invisalign, by the way. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Maybe I might need to come down there. Oh, and I've got one more question. I've got one more question. Mm -hmm. All right, so this is a personal one now. Okay. So I've had my wisdom tooth removed Mm -hmm. and on one side, but then on the other side, Mm. I've got, I had a, how did the dentist describe it? Was a tooth coming out at an angle? An impact tooth. I think that's what she said. An impacted tooth, yeah. I had an impacted tooth, but the way that it was, yeah. Mm. Now I had an argument with the dentist because I told him the year. Argument. I told him the year before, yo, this one is causing me pain. Like the one next to it. Can we remove that? Mm Mm-hmm. He was like, no, nah, if you just clean in between it, I can't, I couldn't clean in between it. Like, it was impossible. Okay, like, obviously, enough. I'm trying, but mm. it's right in the corner of my mouth. And yeah. it's so a year later, I've gone back to the dentist because obviously, I'm coming back from America back mm. and forth. Oh, yeah. So I've come back 
a dentist mm. they're like oh yeah there's a big hole in that you need to get that removed oh dear I looked at there's a different dentist this time though isn't it <laughs> that last one's gone so I looked at the woman this time I'm yeah. like I told the last guy I told him it needs yeah. to come out but he didn't want to do it mm. he didn't want to do it because he was saying he didn't need it he's got to clean it mm. and um, so yeah impactive mm. is that very common is that something common, common. impactive very wisdom common. teeth quite common yeah. yeah wisdom teeth generally are unpredictable I had my wisdom teeth came through, no problems. I didn't really? even know. They just came through, like all the rest of my teeth, no problems. But the wisdom teeth, are, like, they don't grow straight. Do they ever grow straight? Yeah, they my teeth, pr- wisdom teeth came through. Okay. Fine, perfectly fine. Some people get them, no problems like me. Some people have like two come up and they're painful. Some people have them come out at an angle, impacted that yourself, and it causes problems and it's complicated cleaning. Some people are able to maintain it. Like, so potentially the dentist thought you would have been able to maintain it and instead of him referring you for an extraction or having your tooth out to avoid that trauma, let's just see how it goes. I'm ready for the trauma though. <laughs> okay, well, I guess he was just trying to... Be conservative. Be conservative and think of you in that aspect. Yeah. But yeah, wisdom teeth can be annoying for some people. Like I said, it can be maintained. People can just keep it clean a certain yeah. way. Yeah. Or people have it removed. A fun fact is your wisdom teeth, you don't actually need them. Right. You don't need them. Yeah, I mean, um, they're so far back, I can't do nothing with it anyway. Yeah. can't buy nothing with that. Yeah. <laughs> what is it there for? Yeah, literally, we don't need them. So... And some people never get their wisdom teeth. Really? Like, yeah. it, don't, it don't come out? Yeah. Okay. So, what would you say is more common, though? That it, that you it grows at an angle, it comes up straight, or don't come out at all? Like, what's the most common... Or you need to get it removed. I think they're all just as common as each other. They're literally. Okay. There's nothing that can't happens more often at like statistically than. Oh, I don't know statistically. I can't comment on that. But generally, from my experience of seeing patients, six years in dentistry as a nurse and a hygienist, it varies literally from person to person. My sister may not have a wisdom teeth. I don't know actually. To be okay. honest, she might. But like, they are very unpredictable. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. And... Cool. <laughs> That's it. Is your teeth out there? The one that was impacted. So the one next to it had to get taken out. So that I got, oh. I kept the wisdom tooth on one side. Oh, okay. And the tooth next to it had to get taken out because oh, that had, it was rotten. Okay, okay. I'm yeah, it had a hole oh, in it or whatever. You couldn't keep it clean because you couldn't. I couldn't oh, get in between okay. it. And then That's I, unfortunate, yes, isn't it? Yes, but then the other side's fine. Oh, I got the wisdom tooth and the tooth next to it. Okay. So yeah, my mouth's a little bit, can't see it because the front looks really good. Yeah, yeah it does. That's usually it. the case though. Anyway. Yeah, at the back. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like <laughs> people that have a good first impression and then they got some demons in their closet. Can't relate. Sorry. Can't relate. <laughs> what you see is what you get with me and I'm fabulous. Okay. Sorry. Cool. <laughs> all right, cool. First of all, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Episode 10. That's actually a milestone. It's a milestone episode, by the way. Episode 10. Um, yeah. So apart from dentistry, mm-hmm. before we sign off, is mm-hmm. there any projects i know you had something you didn't want to share with me before in the past oh my gosh you still you're still keeping it a secret it's fine oh my goodness you keep it a secret it's fine. but anyway do you have anything else that you're doing in your life <laughs> there's no secrets i am what anything else i'm doing in my life probably yeah yeah that you can share that you might want to big up <sighs> nothing that i can share and big up okay, for cool. now that's fine but um for now for now for when you're ready you come back and share it yeah? absolutely if you have me i'll be back but in terms of dentistry i'll always have you oh Ben. <laughs> but um, yeah, in terms of dentistry, 
keep an eye out. I want to start creating content okay. for people. So I guess I'm taking this opportunity to say that. Yeah, so, yeah no, that would be keep cool. Keep your eye out for me. What kind of content? Like um, educational stuff? Yeah, educational yeah. stuff. For the people them at home that want to know. That would be actually really interesting because I feel like I've never... I, I mean, I see, I see... I follow a couple of dentists, but mm. they're like... It's like cosmetic stuff. Yes. Yeah. Oh, like sh- sharing some of their work that they've done, mm. putting in veneers and mm-hmm. that's kind of what I follow. So, or teeth whitening <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't really see anyone posting about, okay, you know, guys, there's a little tip you can do to, kind of like fitness, right? Like where I post, Absolutely. Yeah. I post, oh, that's this is how you can strengthen your leg or this is how you can lose belly fat. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you, could, you might have a little lane there, you know? Maybe. If you need some help, like content and <laughs> just... Definitely. Use my camera in that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm going to hold you to that, you know. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, people. This Thanks is an Enzinga. Enzinga. <laughs> Thanks for having me. That was episode 10 of the Spectrum of Health podcast. Don't forget to like, share, all that good stuff. I'll put Enzinga's socials in the description. Yeah. Is that okay? Absolutely. Are people allowed to follow you? Yes, people are Okay, <laughs> just checking, just checking. All right, guys. Episode 10. Peace. Over and out. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Spectrum of Health podcast. If you are someone who has been struggling to get in shape, you want to lose some body fat, you want to feel better about yourself, and you want to build some lean muscle mass, as well as transforming your confidence, don't hesitate to reach out to me on my social media and just ping me a message. I'll get back to you as soon as you can. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and tag me, okay? Tag me. I really appreciate all the support. Watch out for next week's episode. See you later.